When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, and welcome to a special episode of Meet at the Mitt, podcast from Lookout Landing. I am Anders Jorstad, joined alongside my co-host, Evan James, and we have a special edition of the podcast here. We are joined by a couple of fellows from the Bat Flips and Nerds podcast, John McGee and Russell Eason. This is a podcast, kind of a British take on baseball. I don't know, guys, how would you describe your podcast if someone has never heard of it before? I think you've done it pretty well. I mean, I think, I think that, that, that's that's the tagline that we use at the at the beginning of the of the podcast every time we record an episode. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, how else would I describe it other than that? I mean, it's uh, profoundly daft uh, and doesn't take itself <laughs> doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, you know, we 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 know enough. We know enough. Well, some of us know enough to just about bumble along, and some of us know quite a lot. Russell, fortunately for you guys is one of the ones that knows quite a lot. I, I may or may not fall into the other category. We'll discern that over the course of the, <laughs> of the podcast. Yeah, I think John said it right. It's that perfect mix of kind of somebody asking the dumbest questions possible about baseball and then somebody telling them about every single middle reliever that played for the Cardinals and the Brewers last year. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, we've got one of our team works for Baseball Prospectus and literally uh, middle relievers is, is one of his topics. So that's always useful. Uh, that, that's where the, the conversation usually ends up. That's really cool. I, I guess, you know, let's start there. What was your guys' journey to baseball? Because I think, you know, the perception is likely, and, and maybe this is true or not, that baseball is not big in Britain whatsoever. Um, but obviously there's kind of a thriving community of baseball fans in Britain. Uh, that is, you know, a large part of your listener base, though not all of it. And, you know, there's a large part of, you know, British baseball fans on Twitter as well. And I think that people have just kind of been awakened to the fact that, you know, British baseball is a thing at all by the fact that they were in the World Baseball Classic this year, which is super cool. But how did you guys find baseball individually? Um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone's got a different story in the UK, but there's some common threads. Um, so I think a lot of people get into it um, through holidays, which is why we've got quite a lot of fans of the two Florida teams in the UK, which always surprises people. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, depending on how old you are, you, 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 you sort of fall into a few different buckets. So f for me, we used to have, uh, uh, live games shown on network TV in the UK. Um, so we had a, a new network TV channel launch when I was maybe about 16 or 17 and they showed, um, MLB on that late at night. Um, so that coincided with when I was off to, to university or college, uh, and that around that time was when, you know, that, that sort of famous Red Sox, they will never break this curse. And then they did. So 2003, 2004 era. Uh, and I used to watch, watch, you know, every evening that they played that and, and got hooked, which is, you know, subsequently why I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm a, I'm a glory supporter completely. So that was my journey into it. I kind of lost it for a few years and then uh, kind of remembered. I, I don't know. I can't even remember what prompted it. I was like, oh yeah, I, I really like baseball. And, and that's kind of the genesis of, of when we started doing the podcast. It started, there was just, just two of us. There's eight of us sort of rotating and out of the, the podcast now. So, I, but Rus Russell, you're, if, if I remember rightly, you're, you're, you're a, you're a, were you a fancy baseball fan first? I, I know certainly Darius was. Yeah. So I'm a mixture. Like my dad watched MLB on five. So like baseball being something that was even, I knew about and actually had seen, happened when i was younger because that he would he would record like one of the games and then during his like allotted half an hour of television each week when my mum and my sister didn't have control of the tv he would watch half an hour of the game throughout like the rest of the week so i knew baseball existed then but it wasn't until maybe like 10 years ago when i was in like my mid-20s and i got properly knocked off with football and even a bit of rugby at the time it was a lot of the the diving and the cheating the Suarez and the neymar times of 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 football or soccer if you if you guys know that that i was like i just want to try watching some other sports to see what they're like and so i started watching american sports i started watching nfl nba and and baseball and uh, like mlb stuck 
because I am a statistical person, my day job, I am like a data scientist or whatever. So once I found fantasy baseball, once I found things like Fangraphs and BP existed, I was like, this is the sport for me. Because <laughs> there's this thriving community that exists there. And then I kind of made a... I'm still not certain whether it was a dumb decision to support Cleveland as a city as a whole. There's kind of like this British idea that you can't be a glory hunter, which is why I really rub John quite a lot for joining the Red Sox when he did. But <laughs> <laughs> My soccer team is useless, Russell. Right? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, it all sort of pans out across the piece. Yeah, so I chose Cleveland in like the mid-2010s. It was like post-LeBron for the first time, so the, the Cavaliers were bad. The Browns were very bad. And the Indians at the time were mediocre. And I was like, I'm just going to support this city. And so from starting to that, I just started to watch more games. MLB TV over here in the UK is actually a godsend because it is about $140 a year. And right. we don't have any blackout restrictions because <laughs> we don't have yep. any local <laughs> providers. Uh, yeah, there's slight issues with that in the postseason last year with actually having a provider. But uh, up until like recently, we could basically watch every single game whenever you want, mm. if you were awake. Yeah, it's such an interesting perspective because like obviously here in America, MLB TV, it works for me because I live hundreds of miles away from the Mariners. I'm in Virginia, so I can watch mm. every game through... MLB TV anyway, but for people like Evan or other people that live in the Seattle area, MLB TV is not an option. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, for, for your guys' perspective, it's kind of like a godsend in, in some some ways, because otherwise yeah. you you may not have access to all those teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it's on, so MLB is on one of the, the two cable sports networks, BT Sport, but they they obviously don't don't show the majority of games. And, 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 you know, with the time difference, a lot of the games other than at weekends or if they're being played in Chicago or played at, a, you know, not particularly great times for people who have full-time jobs. So having MLB TV is, is a real positive. Although, you know, on, on the flip side, if you, if you find yourself in a market where it is um, blacked out, it's kind of doubly frustrating because, you know, I, I, when I went to Boston a couple of years ago, I, I, I went to the majority of Red Sox games whilst I was there. But on my, my final day, I, I sort of didn't have quite enough money, went to Fenway Park and, and couldn't, couldn't quite um, gouge a, a guy down on, 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 a, on a ticket outside on Lansdowne Street far enough and thought, oh, it's OK, I'll just I'll just go and watch it back in my Airbnb and and. Yeah, it was doubly frustrated. So, yeah, um, it is better though, for sure. Um, I, we completely see the frustrations of guys like you, particularly you, Evan, out, out there in the Pacific Northwest. I routinely wind up watching Mariner games on a European broadcast of some kind due to like finding it on a Reddit stream because I can't get a legit version. And I always know it's not the U S stream because it'll be two very British guys in front of a whiteboard instead of like the graphic screen with, you know, all the fancy <laughs> special effects going on. It's, it's a very different vibe, but I don't know. I kind of like it. It's got its own charm to it for sure. Good. Good. How, how popular, I mean, obviously football, football or soccer as we call it is the most popular sport in britain where does baseball fall in the hierarchy of sports that people pay attention to and like what kinds of reactions do you guys get from you know people that you talk to in your everyday lives when you tell them that you're baseball fans oh um, <laughs> do you want to take that one Russ? <laughs> yeah I, I think the answer is i don't know somewhere in the 50th to 100th sport like it's <laughs> it's something that Very is low. to most people they're like, oh, they might know that it exists as a sport. And then they'll be like, oh, that's like rounders. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you have any idea what rounders is. But like in the UK, that's a kid's game that we play where you swing a bat with one hand and run around a diamond. And so everybody kind of compares that to baseball and they think it's a kid's game. And it's played with like a tennis ball, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So it's very, very frustrating. But I think once you kind of... It's one of those sports there. There are many people who even play it in the UK. There's about 4,000 people who actually like play baseball in the UK. There's like a few hundred teams spread across the country. But yeah, it's people kind of are shocked. I work for an American company, and anytime I go on a Zoom call or a call for work and they see that I'm wearing like a baseball hat, some of them will be like, Oh, did you go on holiday there? And then I'll be like, No, no I know. I like the team, and I'll start talking about the lineup, and they'll be like, Wait, you know more baseball than I do. 
So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, it's the same for me. Like I, I, so I, I work for the BBC, so our, our public service broadcaster, and, and I have some colleagues based from our New York office, and, and I quite often try and go, hey, did you see the game? And they're like, no, I don't like that sport. It's like, what? No, you're the people I'm supposed to be allowed to talk to to about the, you know, the Yankees or the Cubs or whatever. When I mention it in the office, they're like, oh, here, here, he, here he goes again. He's off again. Who on earth is uh, Tyler Stevenson? I frankly do not care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. I mean, you know, I think that, that people would get a similar reaction. I have met a handful of people here who are like big rugby fans, and I guess that's maybe the really? closest. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. or, or, cr- I, I, or, or cricket. Well, you've got Major League right. Cricket coming next year, haven't you? So. Uh, oh, do we? Tell tell me more about that. I yeah. Don't have you know. not heard about this? So there's going to be. No, uh, I've not. There's going to be a professional cricket league in uh, in the states. I think it's starting this summer, Russell. Is that right? Yeah, that's the timeline. I thought it was. And, yeah. so, and some of the teams are owned by the big um, the big. IPL, so the Indian Premier League franchises. So there's like a, is it going to be the San Francisco Knight Riders or something? Uh, so uh, yeah, you can you <laughs> That's can a keep, cool name, yeah, yeah, you can keep your eye out for for some of those. And that, like some of there's some really good players playing it actually, but you like not that it would make any difference. But yeah, it would be <laughs> the same thing, right? If saying you like baseball, uh, yeah, uh, basketball is not quite as alien over here, uh, but baseball. Yeah, completely. It's like, wow, when did you grow that second head? Well done. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I think that this is where the conversation was naturally going to drift towards anyway, but I think that ties nicely into the World Baseball Classic, which, you know, I think kind of put Britain on the baseball map. Do you think that, you know, how Britain did and the fact that they made the tournament at all changed the narrative around baseball in the country? Or is it still like, did it still barely register on the radar on the news or anything like that? Well, I think it's. I think there was a narrative. So if you can say that that was changing it, then then absolutely, because hitherto there just had been, there just wasn't one at all. You know, it, it, there was right. a like a, a lunar landing in 2019 when there were two major league baseball games in in London, and then you know the pod lifted off again and went away, and everyone forgot that baseball was a thing. So, yeah, I. I it, I think that Russell Russell can can give his own view because Russell Russell was in Arizona and, and I wasn't. But being being on this side this side of the pond, there was a lot more coverage of it on on TV and on radio and on and on mainstream sports websites. You know, so whether that's the BBC Sport website or or the Times or, or the Guardian or whatever, than 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 we'd ever ever seen before. Um, whether that sticks whether that changes the narrative in the medium and long term is it, it remains to be seen I, I don't know about you russell because you, you know you're more in this community than i am certainly because you know russell plays and i don't yeah i think the the thing that we saw from the from the tournament perspective was that at least there was some kids in some schools where maybe there are <laughs> people who play or that they were like acting it out there was a little tweet that kind of like went semi-viral where one of the kids basically turned up as Harry Ford in inverted commas wearing like yes. the cape and the crown and like a face mask. And so f- for one of the things that baseball fights in this country, as you, as you kind of already said, is that there are so many other sports for people to play that it, if people don't even know that it exists, it's very hard to be like, Oh, come on, actually play. So it just definitely helped it being put on the map. Um, also like the way sports are funded in this country by like the higher governing bodies like UK Sport, which is like a national organization, that having a better, like high, elite level performance helps with like the grassroots funding that you actually get. So Team GB automatically qualifying for 2026, and we'll maybe get into kind of a bit of how that happened, is, is massive because that's mm-hmm. it's some guaranteed money, not only from participating, participating the next time, but it's something to work towards. And the other side of it is in the UK, the Olympics really matter. And so the chance that there might be the baseball in the Olympics again in 2028 in LA, it's another way of funding to be got to baseball as a whole in this country. So it's it putting it like it's now a dot on the map. It never would have been on the map beforehand, but now it's now like you've got that tiny dot that says baseball. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Russell, Russell's absolutely right. I mean, like to, to sort of underscore that in a slightly different way, Russell is right to say like there are loads of sports that people participate in here, but from the perspective of like consumption and participation, there are effectively three. 
possibly yeah possibly four so those are you know football soccer rugby cricket uh netball but obviously that that's not that's just women only Bas- basketball possibly but our our professional basketball league is 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 not not great great standard it's 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 good at sort of participatory level and then there's all of these other sports all of which which fish in the same pool in terms of getting government funding or small amounts of corporate funding and, and baseball's just not been on the radar for that at all and, and as russell said like now is it's still you know small beer in terms of the sums that they're getting but the fact that they're getting any whatsoever is is a massive sea change in terms of um the perception and understanding of it as a uh, you know as a sport that we can uh, you know start to thrive in and potentially have our own players uh in in the systems over the course of the next few years yeah so most of the guys who played well, actually, there's a question for for right there. Were there any players on the WBC team who were born or raised in Great Britain? There were five that were born in the UK, but then pretty much all of those weren't raised. I think Got I it. might be wrong here, but I don't think any of them have like played baseball in the UK, even like at a young age. I think one has. I think Cameron. Oh, yeah. Cameron, Cameron did. Yeah, Cameron up. He was a reliever in the Mets system. His he um, spent, I think it was five or six years in the UK whilst his father was working. I think it's in finance. Uh, he played in the London Mets system during that time, but he's he's the only one. So there's five guys who were born here, um, who then you know moved away to uh, the states in infancy or when they were really young. My favorite is uh, Jaden Rudd, who was whose birthplace is listed on baseball reference as RAF Lakenheath. I wonder how he en- en- ended up being born in the UK. <laughs> but hey, he was good in the tournament. We'll take him. Yeah, I, I, so I did want to talk about the perception around the tournament from your guys' perspective as baseball fans. You know, going into the qualifiers, did you have any expectation they would qualify in the first place? Um, and, and how happy in the end were you with how the team played in the tournament? Obviously, I think them qualifying in 2026 automatically without having to go through the qualifying tournament is a major accomplishment but were you guys hoping for more um yeah just take kind of take us through that that whole journey that you guys went on um yeah that's a really interesting question so i'll i'll i'm i'm conscious that i'm speaking first every time but russell's completely (laughs) used to that um, but I, I thought I would take the first bit and then Russell can take the second bit because, you know, he, he, he was the one who was in Arizona. So I think that the honest answer to, to, the, to the first question, Anders, is like, I think we did think we were going to qualify. Like, none, of us, none of us felt brave enough to say it out loud. Um, but, you know, the, the, the program has been getting better for a while. If you, if you look at our performance in, in European competition over the course of the last 10 years, We've been getting progressively better, and that's in part through um, having professionalized the program and brought some of the players who are playing in our own domestic league or or, or uh, overseas within Europe, be that in, in Germany or, or the Czech Republic or Austria or wherever. That's a, a much better base for, for, for the program, but we've also got a lot better at recruitment. You know, some of our coaching staff are now... Um, play you know operating within professional baseball or in college baseball and that means that we've been able to identify players uh, uh, much much more much more swiftly and get them into the bbc uh, sorry the, the the gb hutch so we cut we knew i like and, and, uh, and likewise if you if you look at the um the lineup that we were going to have in the in the 2020 qualifier which was cancelled due to covid it was by some distance the strongest gb lineup that we'd ever seen and looking at the rest of the teams in their pool it was it was on paper stronger than all of them and we felt the same this time around you know that the, the german team especially had like a few pretty pretty good big leaguers guys like arnold tear um uh, bruce maxwell who played quite a lot of games but we knew that outside that it was guys who were just playing at domestic level whereas everyone in the gb squad was 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 playing at professional level at some some level uh, over the course of the last year so from from the qualifying point of view like you couldn't take anything as a given but we did expect that we would get through one way or another i don't think we anticipated it would be so straightforward in those first couple of games albeit the spain game was uh, was 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 a fun ride so yeah i think we thought we were going to get there but yeah and, and anything else was a bonus although i have to say we kind of um, we're a bit rueful when we saw the group that we got put in, Russell, right? I think we were like, oh, goodness, there goes any chance of winning a game. But hey, we went ahead and did it. 
Yeah, so I'll I'll take it on from there. Like a lot of the like the initial after qualifying, there was there was some uncertainty about what groups the teams would go in, and everything that we had been told, and from speaking to some of the guys within GB Baseball, they thought they were going to Taiwan. So we thought we were going to be in that group of <laughs> chaos that occurred. And right, me and John genuinely thought like we could win games in that group. Like it's it's not to say that like they aren't as they aren't good teams. Like we saw how Cuba did afterwards, and obviously no no disrespect to kind of like the Italian and the and the, the Dutch team as well as the, the Taiwanese team. But we thought okay, these are teams that we could stand a chance against. And then when we ended up being put in the the group in Phoenix, I was like, well, we're not qualifying. For, <laughs> we're not winning a game. Like it was such a higher level of. Uh, more obviously because we're more familiar with the major league players that, and and that side of side it was we were kind of a little bit damn like <laughs> we're we're not going to do well and it started to get in my head of more the okay how do we not embarrass ourselves here how do we not get like mercy ruled by this team USA juggernaut by like fifteen runs in five innings and uh, I kind of worked my way back up towards. And we could probably put a good end up and maybe have a go against Canada. That was the team that I thought that we could really stand a chance against going into the tournament. So yeah, we were kind of that's where we were at. That it was we knew that obviously having that one win, and I targeted the game against Canada as the one that we stood our best chance. And that was one that you guys ended up winning, right? No, you know, with Canada we lost like eighteen eight. Oh, <laughs> so Canada catastrophic loss. <laughs> <laughs> so we beat Colombia. So we beat Colombia. That's who who we beat. And the Canada game, like we the first game was against the US, and uh, GP took the lead from uh, Trace Thompson hitting a home run, like in the top of the first. And it wasn't until like an error, of, an error which was punished, like in the third, that USA kind of got ahead. But they lost that game six two. But it very much felt like hey, they showed that they were valid being here. They didn't kind of like embarrass themselves. And then we had the game against Canada the next morning. So when we did, evening game, we did embarrass ourselves. Yeah. Like they put on three, went 3-0 three up. Then we're 5-3 yeah. down by the end of the first inning, an inning that lasted like 49 minutes. Basically, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw any of this, but any anyone who was wearing a GB uniform uh, lost the ability to throw a ball, uh, either as a pitcher <laughs> or a fielder. Um, uh, the pitchers couldn't find the strike zone and the infielders couldn't find a teammate. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty shocking. So, you know, kind of at that, at that, uh, at that point, there was a, a mass readjustment of expectations somewhat. The other thing to say yeah. is that, you, you, that we sort of readjusted our expectations when we saw the squad as well, which is not to say that this is a bad squad. Again, it was, it was better than the, the one in the qualifier, which it, it itself was the best GB baseball squad we'd ever seen. But I think we, we kind of also knew that there were a few players who might have been available to us in different circumstances who, who weren't there. So, you know, Jazz Chisholm being the obvious one, Akil Badu qualifies for Great Britain, but couldn't play because he was injured last year. There was two or three uh, pitchers and, and another catcher. We'll talk about one catcher in a minute, I guess, um, who would have been on our squad, but they were, they were in spring. The guys who were like on a 40 man or a 26 man bubble, who were like, look, I need to go and shove in spring training in order to get myself a million dollars. And much as I want to play for GB, this is how I put food on the table, which is, you know, it's a perfectly reasonable decision. But had there totally. been, there were like five or six guys who, had they been available, we would probably have felt a bit more confident than we did. Um, and, but I would imagine that they may make themselves available in 2026, um, given what happened and given the, the whole sort of spectacular around the, uh, around the tournament as a whole, but you know, it was it was still it was right. still awesome, and that and that Columbia game, watching that that will, was at a convenient time for us to watch here in the UK was genuinely one of the most amazing uh, sporting things that I've I've had the pleasure to watch, and I wasn't even in the stadium, unlike Russell. Yeah, and thanks to this being tournament baseball, like and GB being regarded as the worst team, like we I don't want to say we beat Columbia just because they didn't put out some of their best like middle relievers and relievers to start off with but they struggled to score throughout most of the tournament so obviously them getting five against us was i think as much as they got against they got five against mexico and like they didn't score against canada and they got like two against the, the us 
So they were struggling to score, and we just put on some runs against their middle, their probably worst relievers that they threw out there being like, well, we want to save our better relievers, because Colombia beat Mexico in the first game of the tournament. They're now looking at, well, actually, we can get out of the group. So put on those middle relievers, and GB punished them and got ahead and stayed ahead, because GB then put out like the guys that could shove that, that we had, and obviously it ended with Ian Jabot, who's he's a major league reliever for the for the red system, getting that save. And that moment, which included home runs from Harry Ford, it just... I don't know. I, I still relive like just that final like that final inning and just GB, GB winning and getting the chance to speak to some of the GB players and the coaches afterwards. And it was just like the smiles on those guys faces was just unbelievable oh i'm sure and and i guess we should at this point navigate to what you know all the mariners fans listening likely came here for which is a discussion (laughs) of of the the amazing young harry ford um when did you guys first become like aware of just him in general i'm sure when you first saw him it was just like oh there's like a you know uh he is a top prospect so maybe that that kind of hit your radar um, at first, but when was he really someone who you realized was going to make an impact on the squad, and how quickly did that kind of ascension happen? Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I remember him getting drafted, right? So, I, I'm not a person who who pays oh, okay. a, a huge amount of, of attention to to the draft, but in in the year that he was drafted, the Red Sox had the number four pick. So, normally, I don't pay a lot of attention because you know I'm like, oh, it's just going to be some bloke. Uh, whereas that year was the one they got Marcel Amaya when Harry was drafted 12th, right? So I knew who he was because I'd been listening to, you know, Jim Callis and co talk waxing lyrical about how what, what a stud and Kylie McDaniel and co about what a stud he was, which is unusual for me. I didn't know he qualified for, for Great Britain. I didn't know that both his parents were British. Um, and I, I, I don't know, Russell might, might be able to tell you better, but I, I remember hearing a whisper that he qualified for us about 12 months ago. Um... I thought saw someone like maybe sneakily mention him in a tweet, uh, but without sort of you know, and then denying all knowledge of it. Um, but someone had told you. Know, so <laughs> we're 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 quite friendly with Drew Spencer, the coach of Great Britain, and and he had told he had told me that um, Harry Ford, who was the Mariners' number one prospect, was going to play for us, and, and yeah, they were super excited about it. Because yeah, I think he, as I think you guys probably have read this already. That um, so Brad Marcelino, who's your AAA. Hitting coach, yes. he uh, he's British, right? He was he was born and raised in the UK, played for Great Britain for a long time, as his father did too, um, and then moved. You know, his his family is American, moved moved out to uh, to the states and, and coached in college systems um, and as a, a a sort of professional hitting consultant before he joined the Mariners. So it was you know, and then there's the apocryphal story that they were chatting about Mars wearing a a uh, GB baseball hoodie, and he is like. I don't know if you guys have encountered him. He is uh, uh, a very charismatic, very energetic, very small individual um, who uh, will prob- would probably not have let Harry get away with um, <laughs> not playing for Great Britain. Like He probably would have taken a baseball bat-, bat to his knees and said, I don't care if the Mariners sack me, this is far more important. Uh, such right. as his commitment to, to, to the GB programme. So, yeah, I, I think I, I we'd heard about it beforehand, like... But I don't think we, and we knew he was good, right? Because you don't get to be uh, the number one prospect in in any system, let alone a top fifty prospect in all of the game, without being very, very good. Um, we didn't realize what like a, a leader he is, and uh, like both in, in terms of his approach on the field and as a, a sort of mature for his age, level headed. Uh, incredible and you know everything you hear about him is that he's like a sponge in terms of taking everything in but but yeah it was seeing the way he played in Regensburg was just absolutely immense Russell wasn't it yeah so like I don't know if you guys watched any of the qualifiers I really wouldn't have expected you to do it Mm -hmm. but like the way the the qualifiers were presented by MLB was here are the top like here are the five prospects top prospects that are playing in this tournament and it was the the European one was effectively it's Noviel Marte versus Harry Ford. That's kind of how they positioned like the whole entire tournament. And if I'm kind of perfectly honest, I thought it was a bit disrespectful to <laughs> quite a lot of like the other players who were, who were in there. Some of them who would have had some cup of coffee. Some of the other ones who are actually just good in independent baseball. But MLB are just going to do what they're going to do to kind of promote promote the game 
So we thought, okay, yeah, he, he's kind of the, maybe like the face of the tournament for this team. And within game one, it was like, okay, yeah, this dude is the dude. He hit a home run in the top of the third to go put GB up 2-1 against France. And then they never looked back in that game. And he hit, he hit three home runs in the three games. Yep. <laughs> and so we were all just like, okay, like, uh, I'm biased that like I was like Anthony Seymour, who was like was the center fielder who basically batted nine and stole like six stolen bases in in the tournament. Was just like this is like the guy for the tournament. But obviously, if you think about it, it was like the fact that Harry Ford, as a 19 year old, batted lead off as a catcher and was the best hitter on that team. It just was remarkable to see. So. At, the, at that moment, I bought in to be like, yeah, as John said, we knew he was a good prospect, but you realise this kid has got to have had a level head. Then watching him at this tournament, like he he struggled in the in the game against the US. And I think in his first six at bats, he had four strikeouts and without a hit. And then he came alive, like in the second half of the game against Canada, and then the final two games, like in the game that the GB played against Mexico. They faced Taiwan Walker as the starting pitcher. Only two people, only, we only got on base twice against Taiwan Walker in the five innings that he pitched. And it was Harry Ford single and it was a Harry Ford walk. And at the end of that tournament, I'm just like, this guy is obviously going to play Major League Baseball. <laughs> well, we, we certainly hope so. And, and I, I remember from the qualifier just seeing like, so many tweets day after day. Oh, Harry Ford hit another home run for Britain. Oh, Harry Ford hit another home run for Britain. And I don't know about you, Evan, but like I was just getting like Julio vibes when he was on the international stage because we saw this from Julio when he was um, playing for the DR in the Olympics where it was just like, oh, Julio just did something incredible for the Dominican Republic on the international stage. And so to, to see another young Mariners prospect doing the same thing on, on a big stage is certainly encouraging for us. Um, I, hope, I hope he's that good. we definitely hope he's that good it's actually very surreal to hear you guys talk about it because much like julio i I think what Durs is referring to is that harry ford the mariners when they took him at 12th overall i think the industry consensus was that not that he was over draft dictation was that he was going to fall somewhere between 20 and 30 Mm. and so they picked him a little bit ahead of where it was expected he would go and when the mariners do that the whole industry steps back and says what did we miss because the last time they did that it was george kirby and, uh, you know, obviously history is writing itself as we speak, but George Kirby has been the steal of that draft. And so when Harry Ford was taken, it was like, OK, so the Mariners think this guy's a future star. Let's see it. Um, and he had not a quiet first year, but he was, I think he had a shoulder injury his first season. Um, he's been playing catcher, learning the position. Obviously, it's been kind of a slow grind. And when you're that far down in the minor leagues, like you're not going to get that much hype unless you do something absolutely outlandish. So hearing him kind of blossom into stardom outside of our you know our sphere of influence somewhere else and having like somewhere else in the world people picking up like oh this this kid's a star is really really cool to see and Durge is right that did happen with Julio um both when he was playing in the WBC a couple years ago and just when he was in the minor leagues and his numbers were eye-popping at low levels and so it's really 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 exciting to hear you guys stoked about Harry Ford because we do we think that he is I never want to compare anyone to Julio because that's a fool's errand, but we think he is the most special guy in the minor leagues right now, for sure. For us, anyways. Well, so do we now, unquestionably, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter what, what our personal and club allegiances are. Um we're all we're all Harry Ford stands. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you saw that you saw the gifts of the well, the videos of the of the kids and yeah, I think everyone, uh every member of the GB baseball sort of fraternity fandom public you know he's their favorite player unquestionably right and and like that's not to say that we didn't love every every single one of those 30 guys because because they all went out there and and gave their best um but yeah harry um there's going to be a lot of celebrations as he climbs up the ladder and so yeah i think we're i think i think great britain certainly oxfordshire where harry's harry's dad is from is definitely uh twinned with uh, the pacific northwest for the foreseeable now i think for me like no go on anders (laughs) i think for me like the biggest question really about harry ford is does he stay a catcher like he 
almost feels right. too athletic to allow like that power and the things that he could provide. Do you only want him hitting 400? <laughs> Obviously, we're seeing a few catchers now that are getting a lot of DH time, but I think that like he has center infield or center outfield possibilities if you want to try and utilize all of his physical prowess that he actually has. Because the funniest thing about being Harry Ford in person is that when he's wearing a hoodie, he looks like a bog-standard teenager. Like, <laughs> you would you would not look at that guy and go, oh, he's a major league baseball, or he's a prospect, or he's going to be amazing at baseball. You see that guy in a tank top, and you see his arms, and you're like, dear God, what are those? <laughs> I think that, you know, the positional kind of debate has been flourishing on Twitter, Mariners Twitter specifically, for the last several months because of the rise of Cal Raleigh. Because Cal Raleigh has mm. kind of cemented himself as the Mariners catcher of, of the present and the future. You know, he is only in what his third year now in the big leagues. Um, and so if Harry Ford is going to be up in the next couple of years, it's going to be like, where the heck is he going to play? And there's been, you know, so much discussion and debate over like, oh, well, they have to move him now. You know, they, they got to find a new spot for him. But my answer to that is always then you never know what's going to happen in that time span. Like Raleigh could get traded. Ford could get traded. One of them could get hurt. One of them could, you know, you find out that they really aren't ideally a catcher anymore. Maybe Raleigh gets moved to first base. I mean, any number of things can happen. But I do think sooner or later we will see Harry Ford move to a position. I wonder, I've been hearing a lot of whispers about second or third base. I think that makes sense for where the Mariners are right now because they don't have a long-term solution at second and third base. They have Suarez who I think his deal is up at the end of next year, next year. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll have to figure that out too. The outfield seems pretty set to be honest with you. Um, but I mean, they could always use another outfielder, I suppose. So I, I do think that sooner rather than later, Harry Ford will not be a catcher. Um, but I, I wonder if he would still play catcher for great Britain. I guess the question is, do you think he will still play for great Britain in 2026? I guess at this point, you know, he's married to the team now. He has to, right? Yeah, I think from speaking to quite a lot of the players afterwards, like, even, like, as obviously you maybe heard, like, the Team USA guys, they had the time of their lives. Like, it was it was an unbelievable moment, and obviously when you ask them just after it's happened, they're all going to be like, yeah, I'll do it again. But given, I think, what Harry went through, his, he's very much about, like, representing, like, his family for that. His dad is, like, an English, English bloke. Like, <laughs> if you want, if you want to find a kind of slightly short, kind of overweight, kind of guy who, know, with a thick British accent, he's just like Harry Ford's dad is like a British man, and so I think kind of it's such a for him it was such a proud thing in that regard that I wouldn't imagine. Obviously, we talked about it with John was saying if he's on the edge of a squad or something like that, then then maybe not because there are sometimes you do have to care about like your career and your life, but. I think yeah, I would I would be very shocked if he's not in that 2026 team, and as long as he's not injured. <laughs> um, you guys, you know, did mention the video where all those school kids were getting super excited about Harry Ford. I did want to ask you about that because Mariners Twitter was just like loving that <laughs> video. Obviously, it's like the cutest thing on the planet, but also it's like, is Harry Ford like a known thing in Britain now? And I guess that's the question I'm going to turn to you is, is he becoming, I'm sure he's not a household name by any means, but is he becoming the kind of person who permeates beyond just the few baseball fans that are in great Britain? Is he like known a little bit more beyond that at this point? Um, so I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but um, <laughs> the video burst away. Yeah. The vid. So the video, um, so that was made so there's that was made by a guy who's quite an, a, a huge baseball fan and very active in in the in the baseball fan community over here who he's one of the hosts of um there's a british blue jays podcast a chap called daniel woodford and he's the head teacher of that i think he's the head teacher or the deputy head teacher of that school and he'd sort of set up this sort of baseball fever which which i i don't think 
puts a puts a sort of pin in it too much, but it um it sort of explains why that particular school was uh, overtaken with Harry sure. Ford Fever, which I think was actually quite genuine as, as far as I understand it. Um, but and the video was absolutely incredible. I want that kid to like you know be the toastmaster at like my my next birthday. Welcome, <laughs> Sir John McGee. Yeah, I I'm I'm gonna hire him. Uh, yeah, I I think like sure he's he's definitely not a household name, but I think he's permeated to a point. You know that there have been um, features about Harry with interviews with Harry and with with Brad and with um, Alan, his dad, on a couple like the BBC Oxfordshire site, which is where Harry's family is based. His grandma still lives there. Um, there is a feature about him on the on the main BBC Sport website. But so yeah, like I think so. But you know, if he continues to remain sort of engaged with and affiliated to great britain and continues to be sort of the face of of of, of baseball in this country which I, I see no reason why he shouldn't then I, I i there i think there is potential for him to um for him to be sort of be, become part of the public consciousness and again in a way which sort of like i think the best comparison is probably max kepler in germany where people know who he is right and they oh, know sure. that he's very good at baseball in germany um, so yeah, I, what about you, Russell? If you, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, certainly amongst our, I, I think he's sort of broken out of our little, um, you know, our little sphere, hasn't he? Somewhat. Yeah, it's like if you were to ask anybody about like a top prospect, even out of the UK baseball fans, like I would say 70 percent of them would be like, who? Like they're not, they're not prospect diehards. Like I'm pretty certain every British baseball fan knows who Harry Ford is. I like even when I was literally training with my team this morning people were asking me about like what was it like like what was harry like and so it, the, the people who play in this country and, and know about baseball he is pot potentially like the face of it now which is in itself is is awesome to have somebody who could do that it, w he's not somebody that as john said that people know outside that like in the uk baseball coverage that we actually get is usually the odd outstanding web gem that gets shown by on, on BBC as well because they have right. like a relationship with MLB Europe over here where they can use clips basically for free. So it's a web gem. It's a somebody hitting a landmark moment. It's somebody absolutely clattering into somebody else. That's like the video <laughs> clips that actually get published on the BBC website or on their BBC Twitter feed. Yeah, like, I think that the proposal probably got more viewers this week than anything else that happened. Oh on my god, I was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, so we got yeah, so we got the Hunter Renfro absolutely turning up his route and then making an amazing catch that made it onto like the the BBC base the, uh, the BBC feed and yeah, the dude getting absolutely annihilated by the security that did. So that's what we're seeing as coverage so far. Like if. If MLB and MLB Europe continue to provide, like, here's what Harry's doing, if he mashes in the, in the minors, I don't know if they'll do that. But if they do that, they do have somebody who they can push that we could care about. Because I think sometimes with the NFL coverage that we've had and the NBA coverage that we've had, it's been like, hey, look, this is a British person who's yeah, actually he, he is doing well. Here's Effie Abada on Absolutely. Or oh, here's, you know, I don't know, uh, Luol Deng everywhere. Um, so, you know, right. he, he could be the same. He could be the same thing. But, you know, it's to, to, sort of, to sort of draw a line under what the coverage is like over here. Trace Thompson hit three home runs yesterday, and the last time he hit a home run on a professional baseball field, he was wearing a Great Britain jersey, and that's been covered absolutely nowhere in the British sports press. So, oh wow! You know that that's that's what we that's that's the starting point. And and I I do want to talk a little bit more about Brad Marcelliano, who's been as you guys mentioned such a big you know person to push British baseball. I think you guys know a whole lot more about him than Mariners fans do. He he is now in his second year as a Tacoma coach. He's the Tacoma hitting coach. But, you know, I, I don't think the average Mariners fan could tell you a whole lot about the minor league coaching staff beyond the player, the people who used to be players for the Mariners. Um, so why should Mariners fans be excited that he is a part of the organization? And, and from your guys' knowledge, what does he really bring to the table? <laughs> well, I think I already gave it away. Uh, ca ca charisma, charisma and lack of stature. Um, he'll love that. <laughs> right. If he hears this. Um, so he is... 
I think one of the most energetic, enthusiastic, and fun people that I've ever met um, in in my time being engaged with with baseball as a sport. He's he's a he's a really really lovely bloke, but you know that sort of runs him down as in terms of his baseball now. As I said, you know he 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 grew up in the UK like he is properly born and raised in the UK. Or if you speak to him now, he does he does speak with an American accent. He um his background is uh, as you guys might know, he was a college coach, so he was um recruiting coordinator and then hitting coach at the university of san diego where one of his protégés was some guy called chris bryant i think he's quite good um but yeah he then went from that to be a a freelance hitting consultant and his uh so his his clients included chris bryant um some guy called bryce harper who i hear is quite good at hitting a baseball manny ramirez was my favorite one there was lots of uh, pictures of manny <laughs> ramirez and obviously manny is absolutely huge and brad is tiny uh so that was always quite funny um i had delano de shields was another one of his and then loads and loads of prospects so you know he i i wouldn't i, I wouldn't know whether he's quite up there in the sort of hitting guru sphere but um it was it was no surprise to us that he that that a club had finally sort of taken a taken a look at him and brought brought him in house. But yeah, he's he's a very enthusiastic uh, chap, Russ, isn't he? Oh yeah, and I think just to kind of like write home like what Brad like means to like British baseball, like he is in the British Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, his dad Oscar is in the British Baseball Hall of Fame. Like what they have done in this country in playing and coaching and other things is is already at the level where yeah brad's already in our hall of fame and he's still potentially going to be there as a coach for for a long long time to go but yeah the man is i think effervescent and if you get him to start talking it's quite hard to shut him up i have one more question here before we wrap up um and and it ties into all of this because you guys have been talking about kind of um harry ford being a potential british star and the popularity of of baseball in britain i was wondering and again, this is the third time this week I'm going to quote uh, baseball does not exist statistics on this podcast. Um, but the World Baseball Classic was uh, viewership was up 90% for the entire tournament and it was up 40% in the United States. Do you guys think that there has been um, a rise in the profile of baseball because of the WBC? Uh, was it a bigger deal in Britain this year than usual? Did you feel that kind of rush of enthusiasm that we got here or was it a little more muted? Um, I think we just go back to kind of the point. It was a deal. Like it, there were like if you go back to 2017, there probably would have been four of us chatting on Twitter, going like, "Did you watch this game?" Like that, people, the diehard fans would have watched it, and people may have shared Adam Jones's clip and talked about it, but there wasn't much beyond that. Like people, at least people, at least my friends know that I went because I put it all over my Twitter and my Instagram for like the whole entire time. So I had friends asking like, "What even is this?" I'm telling people that like this is like the world cup of baseball and like the gb have made it and they're like oh cool so yeah it the coverage wasn't the best in this country they basically didn't show before the quarters and the semis and the final they didn't show any of the group stages that weren't gb games which is a little bit naff but yeah like the fact that it was even on bt sport in this country was it wasn't in six years ago but also i think everything was just on youtube and mlb network six years ago but i can't remember now Yes, uh, just just ex- exactly the same. I mean, it's it's difficult for for us to take a sort of bird's eye view of it, frankly, because we're we're so like in the in the throes and in the thick of it as as a sport. Um, so obviously it was huge for us, but it did feel like there were more people engaged in it. Certainly, even more than like Regensburg. There's certainly a lot more people paying closer attention to it. Um, even amongst the baseball community. So, so yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? Um, the fact that it was a deal, as Russell said, was was definitely definitely a good thing. Um, and hopefully that continues and, and only sort of snowballs from here. Well, let's talk a little bit about your guys' show, Bat Flips and Nerds. Um, do you guys have anything, like any big events, projects, anything like that coming up? Or if not, um, what are what can people expect to hear from your guys' show during the season what kind of coverage do you guys provide well it's a real it's a real sort of weird mix of of the sort of the the straightforward and the frankly completely weird so you know the the last 
three podcasts that we've put out have uh, you know been two previews there are there are eight of us so we sort of split ourselves down the middle and, and sort of tried to compete against uh, one another there um my team the, the a team um I, I chose that name unfortunately usually loses because we've got a guy called tom pringle on it who knows nothing about baseball and is effectively now the mascot of the show um but you know <laughs> we let we let him sort of hang around um so those those are there but then the, the podcast before that um, was uh, a concept that we came up with about building a new franchise. And the first part of that was where would you put it? And the second part was doing an expansion draft and, and choosing your roster. But what, one of our um, co-hosts, Rob, decided that he wanted to put the franchise in Roy, Utah, a place which neither of you guys have probably heard of, let alone anyone in the UK. <laughs> well, we, we, we probably have more than many people because Utah is comparatively not so far from, from Seattle as it is from right, more but populous places. He didn't, in put it, he didn't put it in Salt Lake City or Ogden. He put it in Roy. Right. And, and his explanation for this was that um, that's the, the place if you go on, what, what was it, Russell? Blast, nuclearblastcrater.com? Uh, that has the, Something de- like that. the densest population of anywhere in the USA that does not currently have uh, within two mile, two two hour radius that currently does not have a a baseball market. So yeah, that's the type of absolute rubbish uh, that you could get from our podcast. So yeah, it's it's from the sublime <laughs> to the ridiculous. I think it's fair to say in terms of projects for this season. So the, the London series, which is happening in in the end of June um, between the Cubs and the Cardinals, will be be a big thing for us. Uh, what we're going to do about it and round it, we, we're not quite sure yet. You know, some stuff. We tend to sort of fly <laughs> by the seat of our pants on these sorts of things. But yeah, that'll be a big focus for us. But yeah, then week to week, it's, uh, you know, it's 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 the same as most baseball podcasts. It's uh, It starts out being about baseball and ends up being about something else entirely different. Yeah, I think I'd agree. We intersperse it occasionally with some interesting uh, people that we interview, which brings some level of respectability to our podcast. <laughs> so yeah, like we've had, um, we sometimes care maybe something's more about the the media side or whatever, obviously. But yeah, we've had some ex players on. We've had some of the the media teams, some of the some of the coaches, and uh, and some of the managers. So we just yeah, just try and talk to people about about baseball and trying to a bit educate ourselves and educate others about how the game actually works because yeah and then we just throw in as john has said like and as you put it at the top our tagline is a baseball podcast with a british twist like we're gonna also compare it to non-league football or occasionally or we'll compare it to cricket because that's what we can actually do yeah um there'll be a lot of lamenting poor football performance for sure um uh (laughs) absolutely i I, like i think the other thing is we're, we're gonna interview harry ford like he doesn't know this yet but we are um i I don't know how we're gonna do it um but yeah watch this space all right yeah make sure to go listen and and subscribe to the baffles nerd podcast if you guys don't already um evan seems like you had something to say oh i was gonna say uh if you guys are interested i'll link you we interviewed harry ford it was at least two years ago now on this podcast so there is an episode of lookout landing podcast with harry ford on it which is pretty good he is a really good interview just a delightful kid absolutely definitely definitely need to hear that we'll make sure that we push that out so that everyone in the uk sees it too yeah for sure and and i also want to you know if people want to enmesh themselves in the in the british baseball landscape a little more give some shout outs to other accounts or people that are that are doing you know great work in the fandom so first of all at uk mariner is the mariners page for um uk mariners fans and uh, also at baseball brit he's the one that turned me on to the bat flips and nerds podcast in the first place so i want to give him a shout out too but anyone else you guys think uh is worthy of a follower or uh keeping tabs on besides your guys podcast of course i mean all all of the fan accounts are pumping out really great content all the time i would say definitely follow the mlb uk community guys they host um, meetups here in the uk and and are really good fun a great bunch of great bunch of chaps and uh, the the british baseball podcast um uh matt mutton um our great friend who is indefatigable in terms of his coverage of, of baseball in britain so people playing it over here but also taking a look at the national programs too uh he does outstanding work uh unsung work so definitely make sure that you follow matt as well Sure. Um, I will have Twitter links for both of our guests in uh, in the description. So if you want to follow them, I will have that link for you there. But shout out to our sponsor, McDougal Bats. Um, if you are looking for a bat, especially if you have a kid doing baseball this time of year, a birthday uh, later this year for Christmas, and you're looking for some baseball gear for them, McDougal Bats, really high quality stuff, lets you customize color, material, knob size, comes with all kinds of accessories, whatever it is you want. Uh, use our 
coupon code GOEMS, GOMS famously, uh, check out and the podcast gets paid. You get a good deal. Everyone's happy. All right. And thank you guys so much to John and Russell for joining us on this show. I know we, uh, we've been trying to nail down this recording for a while now. I thank you guys for, for being uh, flexible and, and persistent. It's been great to have to talk to you guys. Pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for having us.